0: welcome to mcknight's long-term care newsmakers podcast where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders welcome to another edition of mcknight's newsmaker podcast once again i'm jim berkland and i think i can tell you with great certainty This is going to be unlike any other edition we've had. We're here with Dr. Doug Olson from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. He runs the Fine Degree Program there for long-term care administrative students. But most importantly for this discussion, he is the founder and leader of the new Vision Center. And, Doug, I'd like to jump right in. Really, this whole project
1: has been a labor of love for you. Fair to say? Very fair to say. It's been one of those things, Jim, that... uh I've been blessed with lots of people working with us and what we're doing. And I've been blessed with the fact that people are finally taking this problem that's across the country very seriously in the sense that it's a strategic solution for some of the challenges that this field faces. I do want to thank you too, Jim, for being here, not only at this symposium, but at the initial symposium and the other ones. You've been a Strong advocate for what we do. And I want to just personally thank you.
0: That It's it's perfect because I think we have to point out to the folks the problem that we're addressing here. Can you summarize real quickly the numbers you're after, too? The 25, the 15, and the 1,000. So, Jim, we are –
1: if we just fast forward to 2030, we could initially estimate that we'll be 50,000 senior living leaders short – for what we need in this country now. And one of the solutions that we're proposing and have stayed steadfast with over the last three years has been that we need a stronger presence at universities and colleges across the country. We need, 25 is what we've said. Uh, That means one strong program for every other state. So our goals are set at 25, but we hope that this momentum propels us even further. We've also talked about a thousand paid field experiences. And I emphasize paid because we're trying to attract the best talent possible. And we're competing not just with other healthcare entities, but other disciplines. And then we are leveraging partnerships. That's part of our secret sauce.
0: All right. And I, I wanted to jump right in. I think you've said, and I've heard Steve Chise, the, the board trustees chair, said you really think the most important
1: part of this is the thousand paid job opportunities, if there is one. You know, that's part of our secret sauce in the sense that we can, each of our stakeholders, which include providers and universities, but that also includes students. And if a student can be part of a field experience that lasts a year or six months, they know that they're that much better positioned to start a job and a good job early in their career. So, yeah, I think the paid field experience is, you know, a critical component of what we're going to do. Uh, and it has been from the very beginning. One of the things in the sabbatical was field experience and partnerships rose right to the head of the uh, definitely. And, and you're trying to do something
0: that hasn't been done before that should be pointed out. But it has to be asked. And you said you've been asked. People are saying, why are you doing this during a pandemic? Isn't that a little crazy?
1: Actually, one might think so. But actually, the pandemic And whatever cycle we're in with it right now has only accelerated and amplified the issue. And the issue is, you know, good people are leaving the field because they got their crews and teams through the pandemic and now they're leaving. But there's also just a really limited supply of new talent coming into the field and organizations need bench strength now more than ever. And honestly, universities, too, by the way, they're looking for relevant programs and disciplines that they can put into place so they can attract students and the leadership of these universities also want to make sure when people get done with these programs they get good jobs. We hit those marks well. Does that mean we don't have to change our image a little bit? No, that we do. We have to look at how we're attracting new talent and it's not just talent at the young level. I mean, there's mid-career people that want to get into this field. There's second career people. You know, this is a kind of a big tent. Uh, and, and I was going to say, that's a good point in that this affects
0: providers from coast to coast, but you have those partners in colleges, universities, because they are they exist in every community or state and
1: region around the country. So it's a good partnership potential, correct? It's, it's a great partnership potential. I, I always talk to people you've heard win, win, win. Mm -hmm. This is win, 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 because you're also talking about at the end of the day, it's providers, universities, students, and the people we serve, the seniors. I think the seniors and students, that force is going to be powerful. Okay. Now
0: this has been something that's been underway since you said your sabbatical good five, six years ago, but most recently, A major shift, I think you called it, was announced and and everybody else has endorsed that idea with the creation or naming of the vision center. What does that really
1: signify? It signifies that we were at a point with this initiative that we needed to make a decision to invest in what the potential opportunities and actions will be for this center. And uh, so we created a 501c3 uh we've initiated a board of trustees we will be reaching out for an advisory council we're putting together our strategic plan will continue to be focused on the key goals of 25 universities 100 paid field experiences and i you know we're going to take a step back but we're also going to start to support some of the efforts so there's it's not someone doing it on the side or part-time it deserves the full attention of uh you know the full attention of the center to move it forward. Sure, sure. A nice concerted effort. Now, you have
0: mentioned that by 2025, that's been the goal all along, (laughs) that you're going to have the 25 strongest uh, (laughs) college programs. I found that intriguing with your comments. And you said, though, that there would probably be 25 to 50 others in the conversation
1: and trying to get there. Where does that go with the flux? You know, what we're kind of seeing right now, Jim, is kind of universities and colleges that are at I I would describe that they're at tiered positions. Tier one is a program that's already in place and has a great great potential to continue to grow. Tier two is a program that's starting to take the walk down the path and put things together. And then I think there's also tier three, that we're going to find that there's universities and colleges, once we get the momentum going, are going to say, why aren't we in? And we're not going to be, you know, you just heard Bob Kramer talking about He was a little bold with this. He Mm -hmm. said, we should have five programs Mm -hmm. in every state. That's 250. I think that the center is going to start to serve as kind of more of a clearinghouse uh, coordination. Uh, You're going to see some things come out. You know, I've already shared with you, Jim, the preliminary draft of the directory. We're going to be working on a directory. Uh, There's a lot of Things that are possible for us to work on, but it's also going to be really all about focusing on the right things to make progress. And I think broadening
0: the tent. Yeah, you've been working at this all along. And I think the comments have been you can't just have people volunteering their time to get together every now and then. Nope.
1: And we actually I mean, we're very supportive. Uh, appreciative and respect the fact that we have eight endorsing organizations across a broad spectrum of services, and they're doing some really good stuff. But you heard over and over in the last day and a half, we can't keep doing things in silos. And this is one of those problems that will never get solved unless we move beyond the silos. Excellent. Now, help us,
0: because the listeners are on the provider side and, and on the operator side, help us get in our mind, why wouldn't a university embrace this? There are very real indications, but in a nutshell, what do they have to overcome? What can providers do to
1: help their locals want to have one of these programs? You know, what we are uh, already have available for some providers, and we've been working with, even already, some of the state associations in laying out some of the resources that can help providers get the conversation started, get some presence within the university, and let them know The great job opportunities, the ideas of how to describe what this field is for people, people going into programs, you know, want to know that there's a purpose for what they're going to do. This next generation, by the way, is really critically interested in purpose and development. The job candidates. Yeah, Yeah. job candidates. And I think, you know, you have to almost find a champion within the university
0: Okay. And that's what I want to get at, though, okay. is everybody I think that we're talking to is going to say, hey, we're sold. There's there yeah. the case for it. So why wouldn't they be doing it? What do they need to know? What are the impediments to them, even if they're sold on the idea? From a provider perspective? Yes. No, no, no. From so the we, university from or college. The, okay. Why wouldn't they just say, sure, we're going to have 20 students on? Why is it hard for them to start well, these starting programs?
1: any new program at a college or university does take patience and time mm-hmm. uh, there's a bureaucracy sometimes that you have to work through but what what they what provosts and chancellors are interested in they're interested in will this program help attract students you know they want to make sure that their are uh, the programs they invest in will have ample number of students to provide a solid program and it's not just because they want to make sure the program has enough sustainability And uh, they also, I mean, I think that if they understand that partners and providers are going to come in and help support the program and be part of the program, every university likes to have that community relevance. And quite honestly, uh, we have long not told our story very well. You know, our story and the examples of our story, one of the jobs of the center, quite honestly, Jim, will be telling some of those stories. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a I mean, we got a couple classic examples right here at the symposium, you know, where a student came to uh, an association meeting, did an internship, did another experience, and now is working for a major organization and helping with their own talent development and recruitment. So, you know, the stories are going to be there. And I think part of it is to kind of package those stories. And also, you have to also, and Bob Kramer did a nice job kicking off this last relationship session, talking about. You got to go after the low hanging fruit too, the things that are easy to do, providing a scholarship, Mm -hmm. letting the organization have its name visible for students. Mm -hmm. There are some really tangible, simple things that organizations can do and we'll help them with that. Okay, great. I was very curious, too. I recently heard you
0: say that Vision 2025, which is what this was originally known as, of course, is not just about university programs and at the undergraduate
1: level uh what do you mean by that you know what i mean by that is uh first of all you have to go on the premise that you can't you can't tell a university what to do (laughs) and every university has a different culture and different strengths and uh i think having a program at the undergraduate level is one option there's also an option of a graduate degree there's also an option of certificate programs there's also uh second career options for people that want to work that you know One of the things during COVID we learned is, you know, we've always done this at Eau Claire, but for many universities doing online education, you know, is a really viable option. Uh, Some kind of form of combination of hybrid and in-person makes it more attractive for people that are working. Mm -hmm. So I think we're not we're trying to create an environment where we're going to learn from each other. What are some of the best options for making sure we get the right talent into this field? Great points, because I know that a lot of people I've
0: talked to said, I don't have four years. I'm in the middle of my career and mm-hmm. I don't have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. So I think the flexibility you've described is outstanding on that. Now, I also want to ask you, you said sort of as an offhand comment, you can't imagine that there won't be an announcement in the next year or so about the 1000 paid ops. Yeah. I'm not sure. Can you elaborate on that? I mean, are we getting close? Uh, <laughs> is there a
1: plan on that? You know, I think that. The first big step was to make sure we got the new center formalized and moved into the place. We're going to be reaching out to have founding members as our part of the center. Uh, I would expect sometime in the next 12 months that some kind of a national campaign launch uh, for a thousand paid field experiences. We want to also, though, Jim, make sure we have some substance underneath the campaign to make sure that we can pull that off. And I think part of it is you've heard over and over through the last day and a half is, you know, what kind of experience is it? What kind of quality of preceptor is there? How do you find out about them? You know, I, I think we just want to make sure that when we move forward with it, you know, we've got enough substance to make sure that it's going to be successful. Great. And as you have alluded
0: to, we've heard, that efforts can't remain siloed. Somebody just told us if it stays with one company doing this or one association doing that, we're going to have the same meeting 10 years from now. What I'd love for you to do at this point, though, is you have five keys, five Ps, if you will, on this. And I I know that they kick off with purpose. And I was hoping you could give us the the thumbnail on that because, again, people are envisioning, how can I make a difference on this? Well, what I would say is...
1: You know, the reality of what we have to get done is we have to start telling our story better. I'm mm-hmm. just going to elaborate just for a second before I talk about some of those is that if you think about a national campaign with a thousand paid field experiences, what you also have to recognize is in those thousand paid field expor- experiences, the stories of success that we're going to be able to share mm-hmm. are going to be notable. Sure. And they're going to be shared beyond regular are in the field, you know, conversations and, and news. And I think that those those will help people understand the greater purpose of what we do. They, they will really kind of accentuate what a difference someone is making doing their field experience and telling their story about going into it. There's also, there's no question, when we get a student interested in this field, you can't teach passion. Right? Second, P, yeah, purpose, second purpose, P,
0: purpose, passion. Okay. You can't
1: teach that. But when you've I've heard over and over from everybody in my own experiences, once people find this field, we don't lose them in the early throes of what they're doing because they're interested. They are passionate about what they're going to do. They're going to make a difference. The third P is plan. And what I will tell you is with the plan, we have a very good strategic plan plan foundation moving forward i mean and i think part of the plan was the independent 501c3 and at, at some level you know i think that that neutrality of the new center will also be in a strategic advantage for us you know reaching out to other universities will uh, be a little more strategic in the sense that uh, we are going to have a lot of great university partners including eau claire but we're also going to make sure that we can uh, with our plan of growing and developing uh, we're going to make sure that we have that capability there's also people i've been at this for five or six years Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: the next two p's are patience and perseverance and my commitment and the board of trustees commitment to this effort is long term this is not a next month solution it it just isn't going to happen that quick and people have to understand that we're going to have Success stories, we're going to take a couple steps forward and a step back. And I think that we just have to know that we're in this for the long term. And I think you asked about the pandemic earlier. I think this is only accentuated. People understand we need broader strategic solutions to our workforce challenges. And sure. we're, we're attacking one of those workforce challenges looking at leadership. But I would expect that there will be other things that happen because of the momentum of what we're doing. A university presence will help our image. Sure. A university presence will help other disciplines. You know, I think that the days of one person out of a group of 20 going into senior care, we can't do that anymore. And and then let's also point out, I'm
0: perhaps a little remiss to this point, that this is not talking about just one section of
1: post-acute or aging services. You have you have skilled nursing. You have assisted living. Home and community-based services. We have senior housing. We have the broad gambit of hospice all, and hospice, adult daycare. All the community-based services are assisted living is represented. And we have, you know, that's one of the things that we purposely did is reach out across the broad spectrum. You know, and I think that, you know, the next steps for the center are going to be Clearinghouse. I think that is purposefully going to be one of the resources that we bring to the table. Coordination of some of the activities. There are some activities that associations, organizations are doing. We just need to lift up and shine the light on. Okay. And share. Uh, this center is never intended to do everything that needs to be done. There's partners that are already doing some wonderful things that we want to do, and we also do want to create some influence. Sure. Because 10 years ago, when we talked about paid field experiences, there was some naysayers in the room that says we can't do that. Now it's like we have to do it. They know that we have to do it. We have to, you know, we just need to influence the conversations around what is the right way to solve this challenge. Very good. And I was going
0: to ask for the listeners out there, what do you think will be the next looking ahead? What do you think will be the next tangible sign or thing we hear or see out of the center? What what might they see or what am I going to write about next, do you think, coming up? Well,
1: first of all, we're always very diligent about all the conversations, all the decisions, all the things that happened in the last two days. Jim Berklin will have within 30 days to share and <laughs> report. But we're also you can expect some a more regular flow of communication coming out from the center as well. I think that. Uh, from our perspective, uh, one of the things that we're talking about doing are quarterly idea exchanges to make sure that people give a, have a chance to kind of interact with each other. One thing that happens when we're here, Jim, you have all these people together in the same tent and that creates enthusiasm and energy. We can't do that just once a year. It has to be something that's going to be sustainable and something that people can check in because progress, it needs to continue to be made. You can also expect, from my perspective, the directory that we're putting out, that'll come out within the next 60 to 90 days as well. We'll probably share that in by some By fall, fall then. You know, yeah. End of summer, sure. by fall. Okay. Well, For that sure. is
0: something very tangible to look forward to. Now, well, let, let me ask you this too. Yeah. We've been saying you're going to have some outreach. Hopefully, they'll hear from you. Yeah. How do they get in contact with you, or where do they find the center if they want to know more?
1: Well, in one of the press releases that we're sending out, there's going to be a link to the new center website that we're transitioning over. We'll have contact information on there. They can reach out to me personally through my email. We're going to transition some emails that we'll share with people to make sure that there's easy access to contacts. For right now, the point person would be me. That uh,
0: Wisconsin Eau Claire. That's, yeah. a, that's a good starting point because it, again, we probably haven't emphasized it enough is that so? you're too humble, but so many people here have emphasized that here's this quote unquote little Wisconsin Eau Claire really has a model program that we've heard that is not graduating just one or two students into the field each year. Uh, we've heard about the Wisconsin State chapter saying I've got a third of my people here are students from Mm -hmm. your program doug so just a little pat on the back to show that how the little engine that could and maybe spread but
1: the little engine that could that could spread i mean at the end of the day we need 25 more programs designed that work for those universities and work for providers so i appreciate the pat on the back but at the same token this is a broad national charge for everybody well there you have it folks now it's very easy to
0: see how the passion and perseverance behind this vision center, hopefully, is going to be the future of leadership in the sector. We want to thank Doug Olson from Wisconsin Eau Claire today. Thanks, Jim, and want to thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to the McKnight's Newsmaker podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is Jim Berkland, wishing you good health, great leadership, and outstanding days ahead. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit McKnight's.com.